Hey folks, welcome to a special Thursday edition of the DC3 cast. We are here to talk about Heroes in Crisis number one. I am Brian, with me as always are Vincent Zach. And Heroes in Crisis, for those that don't know, is a nine issue event by Tom King and Clay Mann. And uh, it involves Sanctuary, which is a relatively new development in the DC universe. It is a uh, a safe house slash rehabilitation center slash respite for various superheroes. It's an idea that Tom King has been slowly introducing throughout his Batman run, as well as being teased in other DC books. And this week, the first issue has dropped. Um, there are going to be so many spoilers in this in this episode, guys. If you haven't read Heroes in Crisis, I really, really suggest you stop the podcast, read it, and then come back. Even if you uh, don't care about spoilers, I feel like to fully appreciate our takes on this issue, you're going to need to read it. Um, so that said, I am going to ask a leading question to begin. A <clears throat> question I asked Vince via text, but not Zach. Zach had not read it by when Vince and I were texting about this. Um, when was the last time an event comic started off this terribly? Um, I, Mar- Mar- Marvel Ultimate Ultimatum was my answer, um, which was just garbage through and through. I believe that was Jeff Loeb. It was Jeff Loeb, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have to, I've not read a lot of the notoriously bad events. Um, maybe like, gosh, I can't even say conversions because I actually kind of liked conversions and yeah. this was, that was better than this. No, my answer and that was, had fucking Telos in it. Yeah. Uh, my answer was Identity um, Crisis, by the way. So I think Identity Crisis started better than this. Yeah, it's probably a better start. You're right. And if only because, like, I the era of DC, like, that book still, like, as bad as it is for what it did, it still benefits from being in, like, a period of DC that I still really care about. So there's that, too. That that answer is tough to judge for me because that was, like, I was young enough at that point, um, sorry, Brian, uh, to still think that, it was really cool and important and like, uh, I'm, badass that it was mature, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to, like, I, I should not even, like, put on any kind of airs that I didn't think Identity Crisis was really good the first time I read it. Yeah, I, I was I was, I was, was totally all in with, like, the Wizard Magazine was covering it. Oh, it was the event of the century. It's going to... It's going to redefine comics and the way that we think about superhero comics and the maturity levels. And I, I guess in a lot of ways it did. But um, at the time, that was something I would have thought was cool. But definitely can see the the faults with now, even though I haven't gone back and read it since. Honestly, just, like, yeah, I mean, I, I still yeah. really I think the idea behind Identity Crisis is really good. It's just the one big thing in it that's really, really bad. And then also kind of the stuff with um, – what's her – Jean? Jean? Is that Jean the Adam's Murray. wife? Yeah. 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 
the so the the stuff with the Dibneys and the stuff with Gene, but like the idea about like the um you know the the mind manipulation and the cover ups and um some of the other stuff that happens in that book, I think is still actually like there there are like nuggets of good ideas there. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Uh, somebody pointed out to me that um, oh, who wrote that identity crisis? Um, uh, Meltzer. Brad, Brad Meltzer. Meltzer. That Meltzer tweeted last week that his son finally asked him for a copy of Identity Crisis so he could read it, and uh, I had tweeted back like, "So, Dad, you hate women, huh?" <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's there's a lot of problematic stuff there, but I think like like Zach said, the sort of heart of the of the story is still something that that has some merit, even if it's handled in the worst possible misogynistic way, and not misogyny like face value misogyny, just like you know fridging, etc. Anyway, yeah. um, and I think we can all agree that the idea of sanctuary is a fine idea in DC Comics, right? Having a place for heroes to go when they need a break from being heroes, I think that's a pretty okay idea, right? Do you guys agree with that? I think it's a great idea, really, Um, and and one that's kind of been played out better before, or maybe not better, but played out really well in Marvel with, like, the, um, the Night Nurse character, and that that kind of like underground clinic she has where she like fixes up like heroes and villains from their various injuries that mm-hmm. they receive. Like anytime that concept shows up in a Marvel comic, I appreciate it. And and this is kind of a similar idea, only it's more like mental injury more so than physical. Right. Yeah. So I I think it's an interesting idea. But you have to be extremely careful about how you handle it, not just from like a sensitivity's sake, although that's probably that's probably issue number one. Um, how to be sensitive about this idea about dealing with mental health in a uh, genre that that will very much turn around and disregard that at, at any moment, you know? Right. Um, and I think. I, I, I'm not willing to say yet, even though, spoiler alert, I hated this issue with my life. <laughs> I'm not willing to say yet that it's a nine-issue nine series that by the end there can't be some uh, addressing of that fact that ends up being more satisfactory than this first issue. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, yeah. willing, I'm not willing to bury that idea just yet, but... I think it, speaking uh, on this issue itself and the issues of various other comics where Sanctuary has been mentioned along the way, um, I think it's been handled extremely poorly up to this point because all we've gotten is a phrase here and there about, oh, yeah, so-and-so is taking a trip to Sanctuary. Right. And then in the very first issue, you show up and Sanctuary is decimated. Right. We've this... seen nothing about how they're actually dealing with these problems. It's all lip service. And it doesn't see... seem like issues two through six or something are going to go back and fill that in. It no, seemed... although they, they might. They could. They, they might. And I, I actually could see them doing that. But, like, don't you all feel like after this first issue that this is a story that should have 
probably not happen for for another year or so and we could have had sanctuary showing up in other books oh absolutely and or even like within batman or something um or even do a but, sanctuary miniseries yeah and then do this story yeah get to see the characters who are in sanctuary and learn a little bit about what it is which maybe that's just too conventional well i don't know <laughs> conventional or not this sucks because <laughs> because because aside from aside from uh, just the characters being who they are, I'm given no additional reason to give a shit. I don't have a sense of what Sanctuary even is. We're told, we're kind of told what it is. It's like therapy for superheroes, but we're not shown their methods. We're not really, we're not introduced to Sanctuary as a character. And I feel like that is of the utmost importance for me to give a shit about this book where you're murdering heroes that may or may not just get restored at the end of this. You know, which we'll get to. We'll get to that later. But like, you've given me no reason to give a shit about heroes in crisis because I don't really even really know what sanctuary is based on the the actual text. Well, let's let's talk about that for a second. I, I'm glad we're giving this more time because I think we'd be pressured to kind of fly through this if we weren't. And I think there's a lot of good questions that we're all bringing up here. So here's what we know about sanctuary. Just from the issue that we're holding in front of us, okay? We know that it is in um what state is it in? They say it in the beginning when boosters at the um, Nebraska. It's in Nebraska. Okay, so we know it's in or at least it's somewhere near Nebraska because that's where Booster is in the diner, right? Um we know that it's like it essentially looks like uh for any Stephen King fans out there, like Mother Abigail's house from the stand. Like this, um, this you know, sort of country cabinish place in the middle of this cornfield, and but you know what it looks like even more in the DC universe, like in that framework. What's that? It looks like the Kent House. Oh, obviously. Yeah, I'm sorry. I should have said that um, because because then we eventually see into the sanctuary building. And we see some like um, androidish people that are pulled apart, and the male android sur- sure as shit looks like Jonathan Kent, and uh, there's it looks like essentially an older couple, and then a uh, an African American female android, and they're all sort of you know limbs torn off, and we see sort of wires hanging out of them, and so we um. It looks like essentially they're like the the sanctuary is a country retreat for these folks, um, which again doesn't necessarily sound like um, it doesn't necessarily sound like there's going to be much of a discussion of their methods because if if we are just to go by what we see here. It seems like there were robots that were trying to make them feel comfortable, just just based on the images, right? Um, and isn't that kind of a patronizing way to establish mental health? Like, oh, you'll feel better if you just if mom and dad are there and they bake you some cookies and you help out milking the cows, everything will be better. Just go to the farm. Isn't that insulting? It's weird. It's it's like let's create this fake 
world for you. Um, yeah, what do you think, Vince? Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't think about that aspect of it that deeply because, um, to be honest, I couldn't on it. I couldn't really tell um, that that was actually part of the methodology there, or if that was just the tra- the the kind of the aesthetic trappings, you know? Right. Um, that, I mean, if it is what that, that's if, all if it we're is given. what you, that's all we're given. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, yeah. That, 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 yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Uh, so so to me, how you read it is perfectly reasonable based on what we're given. And how I read it, I feel is also reasonable because I feel like we're given so little. And I feel I, f- I feel like that's okay. That's the outer appearance of this thing. What's going on, like behind the scenes or downstairs, or when these heroes are getting interviewed? Surely they're getting some sort of therapy, right? Like some sort of actual therapy from a therapist or something. But we don't see that. I'm just left to assume that. Um. It's weird if it is what you're saying it is, you know. Um, I mean, I, I don't know, and maybe this is just my imagination getting ahead of my reading, but I would think, all right, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman decide there needs to be a place for oh. heroes to get better. Wouldn't you think there'd be state of the art equipment and security? and there'd be doctors around the clock, and there'd be just a place where it's where, where, the, where the availability of anything would be not a problem at all. It would be the most well-stocked, well-staffed place to... Because it's so important that the world has heroes, and so there needs to be a place for those heroes to get right. Yeah. So and and this just appears to be the opposite of that. Like this remote cabin where where entire people can where the entire population can be wiped out and there's no one there to protect them. So so that's why me giving Tom Tom King a little bit more credit than I probably should. I I assume there's some underground bunker that this is just the aesthetic cover for. Okay. I assume that there's more going on than what you're saying. But even even if that's true, that first of all, that's me putting stuff there where where it's not there on the page. Mm-hmm. But also, whether that's the case or not, the Trinity, the three most important and greatest superheroes that DC Comics have, come off as total idiots in this. Complete amateurs. Superman doesn't know the word catchphrase. He is. Also, they're idiots in this. Yeah. Also, I feel like. The the bit where Superman can't remember Hotspot's catchphrase is like the most un. It's not Superman. Superman. Yeah, like that's not Superman. That just like wouldn't happen. Superman can hear Batman's heartbeat anywhere in the world. You're telling me that same guy with that type of sensory observational skills can't remember a catchphrase? Who is nice enough to remember people's real names and catchphrases? Like that's the you know. Yeah, well, it makes him seem detached and uncaring, which is, like, against the core of the character. It's making him, again, it's kind of like the Snyderization of Superman, I guess. <laughs> oh, God, that's the most damning thing we've Zach, said yet. Zack Snyder, not Scott Snyder. Just wanna, the, Zack Snyder, yeah. Our, yeah, our, our blue nose, we're not talking shit about him. Yeah, not, not, no, Scott, he's got, he's got it down. Yeah. Um <laughs> 
So, so let's, I guess, just, just start at the beginning here. So, so the book begins with Booster Gold in a diner, and then Harley Quinn walks in, and they're doing the thing that drives me crazy in stories when people talk about how they're going to be fighting, but they decide to put it aside until they finish their coffee or whatever. <laughs> like, that, that's a trope in so many movies. This is things. all very Tom King. Like, that is so... They're going to do something mundane before they get down. Exactly, yeah. And then um, there is the worst issue. Sorry, the worst line in the issue goes to Harley Quinn, which is that she is eating a uh, a piece of pie, and she says, "This is perfect. Smells like America." Mm. In an Great. issue where characters I have loved since childhood are murdered for no reason, that is the part that made me groan the most. <laughs> what is the purpose of that line? I mean. There's a lot of murder. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what she's smelling. Yeah, yeah. because it's really shitty there. Is that? Because <laughs> it smells um, like obstruction of justice. <laughs> but, but you know, I also want to say that, like, the the diner scene with Booster and Harley is conceptually, again, like, my favorite thing in the issue because these are two characters that I never would have, like, put together and... I love diners and I I love pie and coffee. <laughs> and yeah. The aesthetic is so good and this could be really good. It's that's true except that I I don't there's nothing here that makes this distinctly I I don't think any of these characters are written to sound like who they are. No. You know. No. And well, and, and, and does this even sound like the same booster from Batman? No, it doesn't. No. And that was going to be my point is that King has written both these characters before. And they don't sound at all like the, like the prior versions of these characters. Actually, maybe he hasn't written Harley. He's written enough in the Bat books that I just presumed he's written Harley, but I don't know if he actually has written Harley before. She was in that arc with Poison Ivy for a minute. Uh, least, maybe, right? yeah. I, maybe. That was her launching point for being in this, kind of. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. Um, <sighs> so here's my question about the diner scene, right? This just seems like an idea that King had that he decided to go with even if it made no sense. So just jumping ahead to the end of the book here, it appears that Booster Gold is the one who killed everybody. At least that's what we're being sort of led to believe, that Booster Gold wiped out Sanctuary. Mm -hmm. So, But Booster doesn't realize that. Booster thinks that Harley Quinn did it. And so Booster finds himself in a diner just you know just chilling out when he knows that his friends have been murdered by a villain and then she walks in and he does nothing about it and just sits there and there's a way to make that a booster gold story because booster gold has been historically such a selfish character and a cowardly character in some ways and so if they drew on that and he's saying like you know this isn't my fight. I barely escaped with my life. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do this without skeets. There are so many ways to make Booster sitting in a diner avoiding confrontation work. Similarly, we all forget, or at least the writers of DC mostly forget, that Harley Quinn was a doctor before she became the Joker's uh, sidekick or whatever. And so... You can also write this that Harley is in shock from seeing Booster kill all these people. 
and that Har- or that Harley is reverting back to a previous sort of state of mind, and that's why she isn't being all Harley Quinn-ish about this. Like, there's a way to make this scene work that took me 30 seconds to think about. Well, I'll tell you what it is. What? It's style over substance because nothing is cooler than when there's supposed to be a big fight, but characters are just sitting around doing something mundane when, when shit's hitting the fan. That's literally what it is. That's like Breaking Bad shit, you know? Like, Don't be hating on Breaking Bad, man. I'm not. I'm just saying, like, it's a convention. It's a it's an old trope that like, ooh, shit's really bad, but they're sitting down and enjoying their pie, you know. And we're yeah. and we're supposed to think like, oh wow, that's they're so fucking <laughs> cool and calm right now, you know. And it's that's badass or something. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, there's there's so so many like uh, uh, dramatic tropes here, like. Uh, Har- in Harley's interview, right, mm-hmm. where she's saying something wacky, and then all of a sudden the facade clears, and she goes bang, bang, God, you know, like she's really disturbed now, you know, which like it's so maudlin to me. It's so I can I can see what King is going for, and it's just this maudlin, uh, tropey device of like the wacky character who 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 breaks her wackiness for a second to show you how vulnerable she is. Yeah. You know? And and I think that her saying that she hates pudding is like the laziest attempt at growth of a character. (laughs) I remember when I was in college, uh, I was in a creative writing class with this guy who fancied himself really clever. And he wrote a story about a guy who always had headphones on. Like he was the kid in school always had headphones on. And it turns out at the end, Zach Braff. Yes. Uh, and it turns out at the end, the headphones weren't plugged into anything. <laughs> Damn, son. Yeah. And like, but I feel like that's this type of thing. It's like, it's taking, it's it's attempting to find depth in a thing where there shouldn't be any depth. Harley Quinn is supposed to be crazy. The nickname Pudding doesn't necessarily mean pudding. But King's just like, I'm going to turn this fucking world on its ear. She doesn't even like pudding, motherfuckers! Like, it means nothing. It means nothing. Drives me crazy. I mean, it does mean something in the hands of, like, played differently on a different emotional beat. The only way it works it to does... me is if she's going to hit the Joker with a fucking sledgehammer and she says, I hate pudding. Smack. Because that's that's, fair. that's relating the nickname to the thing that she's nicknaming. This is just... Right. This would be like if you saw... Uh, <laughs> why did my brain go here? If you saw Sheldon from Big Bang Theory applying for <laughs> a loan and just goes bazinga in the middle of the <laughs> bank loan, like he would do that though. Well, you I've never seen that show. So the I can't the thing is, like in both of those things, like it's context and it relies on prior knowledge of other things, and it's supposed to be like, aha, I get that thing. Yeah, it's bad, and that's what it's yeah. Yeah. Which, I don't know. I wasn't as bothered by that. I I thought that was. The thing is that I think there's we're a disconnect. See, we're all going to see Zach's I hate pudding tattoo next <laughs> week. <and you're> <laughs> I'm getting the know. t-shirts printed for us right now. All right, cool. Um, the, the thing that bothers me about Harley in this is that she's, t- okay, she does the I hate pudding thing, which I didn't hate as much as you. Oh, as but... usual, Vince is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then, and then she goes on to do the thing about like I've conjured the most evil demon 
I wrestled with him. I come, I've come through and I think I'm a little scathed or whatever she says. Mm-hmm. It, it really betrays what the point of having Harley in this book is at least for the first issue, because, okay, so are we supposed to think she's sadistic or not? Right. Because, um, compared to, if we're supposed to think booster is the murderer, they're kind of setting Harley up at least in this first issue to be the, the voice of reason among them or like the one who, the one who sees it the way that it really yeah, is. That's you know? like, the <laughs> yeah, you got me. Uh, and yet she does this diatribe about how she's scathed and unhinged and like gets stabby stabby on him. And of course has to do like nursery rhyme shit. Cause there, again, there's nothing more badass than doing murder, but saying a kid's nursery rhyme while doing it. Right. Well, well do, you, do you think like based on what we've read here and assume, like, I'm pretty sure that we've read that like Harley is not a sanctuary for treatment, but as like a medical professional. That makes us even worse. No, it and was, so was, you, wasn't she sent there at the end of that Batman arc? I thought she was sent there because she like is a is a psychiatrist and like helped with Ivy. Oh, maybe I'm pretty and, sure and that I, was the case. Yes, and like huh. when she says that she like conjured the demon here, like do you think it could be hinting that she like considers herself at like like I'm wondering is she the one who these n- interviews are being is she the interviewee here or the interviewer? Well, but she and is she the one who like what? But she's the first interview herself. Oh, you're right. She is. OK, so that that destroys that theory. My theory was like this conjuring the the demon. Does she like blame herself for what Booster may have done? Well, maybe, uh, but, that, but, but then that, right. that makes her that like demeanor. Like, inter- yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like that would be pretty traumatic to like. I mean, the whole thing is really contrived because you're assuming Booster did all this. It looks like Harley was there. Booster got away. Harley somehow gets away and then comes and finds Booster. And some and somehow the Trinity is like nowhere to be found until it's all done. Yeah, and they all look like total morons. Not just the because, Trinity, like, is all, but like, like the Justice League, well. the Titans, the Teen Titans, every hero mm-hmm. on the planet. Like yeah. it doesn't seem like Sanctuary is a, a secret, right? Uh, they're all. I mean, amongst heroes, they're all talking about it. Yeah, it's so hot right now. You 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 wear a ring or some shit when you get out for some reason. Maybe that you was do? just for the. Maybe that was just for the giveaway. They were giving away like Sanctuary rings. Is that like so a like is that like a recovery chip? chip? Something like that. I don't know. I don't know. So then you've got so then you've got like Superman flying in and I guess the you know, Wonder Woman and Batman too. And again, like that there was that there was no way to prevent any of this from and I know like in order to have conflict in comics, especially conflict among quote unquote heroes, like there, somebody has to drop the ball somewhere, but it just, this just seems so contrived. It seems like this, they're, they're like, they're, I'm, I'm okay. Suspending disbelief. That's what we do every time we read a comic, but like how much disbelief has to be suspended to think that the Trinity dropped the ball like this. Right. Again, that there wouldn't be such incredible security 
that this would even be possible. Just... That's that's why I think this is yet another superhero comic book that sacrifices uh, in the name of maturity its identity as a fantastical superhero comic. Like it's a shame to be one, you know, in some ways. I don't think it's as bad as like, um, you know, I think there are there are comics that are. I can't think of any off the top of my head right now, but that are that are like really ash- well, like superhero movies that are ashamed to be superhero movies, you know, yeah. in some ways. Man of Steel. And I, yeah, yeah, in some ways, yep. This is very similar to that. I would say this is uh, this is on that level of shame as far as like its identity as, you know, identity crisis suffered from this a little bit. We have to believe that like these bad things are happening in, in a world of heroes that have unbelievable powers just to push the bounds of, uh, you know, violence or something in a comic, you know? Yeah. That's what this felt like to me. It was all in service of the shock value. Well, that's, so we're going to talk more about this when we talk about the specific deaths in a minute. So I'm going to put a pin in this for one second, but say shock value to me later. Okay. Um, shock value. Well, not not right now, but in a little while. Um, cue you saying it in one minute. Um, but so I just want to talk about the other characters that we see give uh, testimonial interviews. Here we have Blue Jay, who we recently saw in uh, Steve Orlando's Justice League of America. We have uh, Hotspot, who I believe is new, right? Um, who can keep track? I just googled DC Hotspot and <laughs> got what you would expect. Um, yeah, no. Um, he may have been around earlier. Yeah, let's see. He, oh man, guys, you won't believe who created Hotspot. Tom King? No. Dan Jurgens. Yes. <laughs> yeah! Teen Titans Volume 2, 96. Okay, well, a forgotten character then. Or a certainly yeah. an underused one. I don't want to say forgotten, underused character. Yeah, it looks like he, he was maybe used a little bit around, um, like, uh, one year later, Final Crisis stuff. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, so we get, again, a testimonial from him. We get one from Arsenal. And then we get one from Booster. Um, so the, the Trinity are flying around like derps, not, not knowing how this happened. Forgetting the word catchphrase, just generally coming off as as like as the most callous version of the Trinity I've ever read written. Like obviously they care, right? But they don't like remember in Superman the movie when Lois Lane dies and Superman lets out that guttural scream that's terrifying because it's the mm-hmm. first time in the and the only time in that movie that you see him like really fucked up by something. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you think that if the hospital you set up lost all of its patients, you might have a physical angry reaction? Or you might cry, or you might have something other than just, like, forgetfulness as your symptom? So, so again, this adds to my theory that Tom King essentially sees these characters, or, or, or writes them anyway, the same way that Zack Snyder does, kind of. Where where he writes he writes Superman and Batman 
as if they're just aliens. But we know we know that while Superman is literally an alien, he's like the warmest member of the Justice League, right? Yes. Because of his Earth upbringing. And he writes them as if they're these like cold observational and to a certain degree, Batman is that, but he like overdoes it when he, when he writes it that way. But Superman is written the same way too. And it just doesn't, it doesn't track at all. Go, go for it. You want to jump in? I actually, Brian just said a thing and I don't even actually remember exactly what it was. You just said, but it kind of triggered an, an idea, a reading that I feel like, is a lot more charitable to King and what he's doing and actually like tracks with what I think he said. Not that I like not agree with it anymore, but especially like in Superman's case here, like I, I think like what he's trying to deal with is like shock and like traumatic stress and like how would a person react to, oh, it was when you said something like, you know, you set up this hospital and everyone just gets, you know, off. Like how, like, obviously that would be like extremely emotionally debilitating. And so like, yes, I guess there could, you know, maybe Superman forgets what a catch for the word catchphrase in his and in, in his, um, you know, distraught state. But I think, like, maybe on the opposite end of, like, what Vince is saying, it makes him, like, less of an alien and it makes him, like, maybe a little too, a little too human, maybe. There, I, I see what you're saying, but there's something in the word, there's something in the words on the page that that doesn't come across to me. It comes across as unfeeling to me. But I know what you're saying. I know. Yes, I know. Yeah, I, 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 I can see what you're saying too, Zach. That it's trying to present a person in shock. Yeah. I would call that a generous reading. Um, but who the fuck am I, right? Um. All right. So let's let's talk about the body count here. So obviously, the two heroes that are going to make the most impact on the greater DC universe being dead are Wally West and Roy Harper Arsenal. Um, the Wally West thing feels like an incredible slap in the face to the rest of the DC universe. Like Wally West was gone for all of the new 52. His return is literally the event that like incited rebirth. He has been super important to the Titans book, he's been incredibly important to the Flash book. He's He's been regarded as this really important piece of historical knowledge throughout the DC Universe. And he's killed off panel for really no reason. Other than shock value. Yes, other than... And that's what I was going to say, is that, is that the Wally and Arsenal deaths are clearly meant for shock value but because they are done off camera and because they're just so matter-of-factly shown as corpses on the ground i don't even think the shock value really works as well as it would have if this were handled differently like if there was a room full of heroes and somebody comes in with a gun or whatever and starts mowing them down you think wally's going to escape because he's wally west and when he doesn't that shocks you because he's the fastest man alive. How could he not Which, do this? 
you know, that's like a callback to to identity crisis. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. You know. Um. But just to have it happen off panel. Yeah. And then show it this way. It. it it takes away some of the shock value. Like, when, when that page happened, I was like, I was bummed out, but it wasn't the gut punch. Again, I, I bring everything back to Starman, I know. But like, and spoiler alert for those who haven't read Starman, when Ted Knight dies in Starman, and you don't see like Ted literally blown piece from piece, but you see the spacecraft he's on blow up, and then Jack just says, Dad? And you have the you have the visual of him dying. You have the the dialogue from his son, and it's this emotional gut punch because it has all the elements that you want to make that matter. This eliminates all of that. It just presents it in this cold. Again, like this issue, for as much death as in this issue, everything happens clinically and off and safely off camera. There is no danger. There is no emotion to this this is the most callous way that you could kill all these characters and and i think because of that the parts of superhero death that are usually so meaningful even like think about johnny storm in in hickman's run saying flame on as the doors close Mm -hmm. like this that's an incredibly emotional powerful moment all of that is ripped from this and all you're left with this is this is written like somebody who just reads spoilers who doesn't read stories. It's just laying and, it's laying out what happened without it's laying out the aftermath without laying out the story. And its clinical nature is what's supposed to be profound about it, which is the biggest load of bullshit. Yes. I think. And that's that's Tom King's entire career at DC in a nutshell for me. These like slow moving, deliberate nine panel comics where you're shown horrifying or weird things clinically and you're supposed to be marveling at the profundity of it all. Zach, go ahead. You want to get in? Don't, don't you, for me, that reveal, I, this is going to be undone, right? Yeah. yeah, I have a theory about that (laughs) later. Yeah. And and so I, I honestly like of all the characters who could have died, I think Wally is the one that tips your hand a little too much. Mm-hmm. Like if this was, if we were supposed to continue to think that this is a grounded, like down to earth story, Wally's the one you don't kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, Zach. Well said. That's an excellent point, my friend. Yep. And I think um I think by the end then we'll wonder what it was all for. Well that's yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's just also briefly talk about who else died. We mentioned Hotspot before. Um we presume Blue Jay is dead, but we don't actually see a body, right? Oh, that's a good point. Although that was like probably the most disturbing scene in the whole issue with the bird like eating his costume yeah. with like bloody something. Yeah. Oh, it I, looked I, like I, entrails. I think, he, I think he's dead. Yeah. I think he's probably dead too. We also have Citizen Steel or Commander Steel. I forget which one that is from uh, from the JSA. We have 
not Abe Sapien, not Savage Dragon. Who was that? That's it's a. Uh, it's uh, I almost said Kern Lagan. <laughs> it's uh, it's Lagoon Boy. <laughs> Lagoon Boy, yeah. Uh, and then, do we know who this person with the mask is? Um, it it's looks fridge. like. One... It honestly looks like so you know we have those masks yes. like like there's one of those masks on the steps and we thought of the it, house we thought it was psycho pirate initially yeah I think that maybe like this is maybe one of the the Roberts? maybe not not a robot but like because there's blood but maybe they have these we know psycho pirate's mask has something to play here or it comes into play somehow and it almost looks like I wonder if. Batman has some kind of like somehow reverse engineered the mask and is using people as like human psycho pirate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not that psycho pirates, not a human, but <laughs> he, he has extra psycho pirates essentially who are facilitating in the healing process, which is something we haven't talked about yet. And is also very weird. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, so so we have a fair amount of sort of C-list or lower characters that that buzz off here into the eternal uh, whatever, and um, you know I uh... it's a surprisingly small body count though from what I was expecting. Yeah, um, but again, I I think the part of that is to try and preserve the illusion that this won't all be undone that like if they wiped out 40 heroes then you know there's no way that's going to continue you know yeah so go ahead zach well i was just gonna really quick do you you guys remember that supposed leak about wally being the murderer yes do you think that was completely off, or do you think that there were some changes made since then? I don't think I don't. I can't remember exactly how long ago that leak was. It was a while, but it wasn't all that long ago. Um, I mean, I just think you would have to have Clayman redraw the entire issue, because let's say that that Wally was in Booster's place. Like almost all of that battle happens in the sky, mm. and so you you couldn't even just redraw or recolor whatever you know to get Wally in there instead of Booster, right? I'm I'm wondering, and I haven't really thought this through, but I'm wondering if for some reason we're meant to think or see eventually each one of these heroes committing this murder. Perhaps, and oh, and that's and that's why Harley think Harley saw Booster and Booster saw Harley doing it, and I'm wondering if by the end, Brian, you'll get we'll get to your theory, which I think is better than mine. On mine, I'm just going off the cuff right now because I just thought of it. You actually just gave me another theory too, so finish yours up though. Go ahead. Oh, okay. All I was gonna say is that this is some this is some sort of exercise that well, we're seeing. Well, that's what I was gonna say is that may- yeah. maybe this is. Maybe everyone is acting so robotic because this isn't real. And like Harley and Booster are in the middle of this exercise, and this is part of their therapy. This is essentially the game with Sean Penn. Like, yeah. where they're being put through this nightmare scenario to see how they come through the other side. 
Well, and that's also that would also explain why why Superman's coming in and saying Arsenal and Flash are confirmed. <laughs> you know, like confirmed. That sounds like a video. That sounds like video game shit. Confirmed you know, bachelors. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's almost like they're uh, they're having like a Hunger Games style thing where they and then and the Trinity are the ones that go around and are like. Uh, Got him. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know that I really believe that, but no, it's just but... a thing that I'm rolling around in my mind right now. Well, okay, so I, I don't think that that's entirely illogical. What I think is is uh, convenient about that is that aside from Harley Quinn, none of these characters have any real place in the DC Universe for the next year. Like, everybody's been sent off to Sanctuary. So if Wally isn't in The Flash for a year, that's not going to change... Or for nine months, rather. That's not going to change too much of what's going on in The Flash at the moment. It will be hard if, like, they're trying to convince us that Batman is dead because Batman's in so many books. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. it could be just this exercise that's going on um, and not uh, not be legit. And that wouldn't suspend the disbelief of the reader too much in in sort of the universal grand scheme of you're reading all these comics right um but if this is just like the therapy they're going through does that make for a valid nine issue miniseries that you want to read if it's just like torture porn therapy yeah what the hell kind of therapy is this? right exactly (laughs) yeah And also, also that speaks to my greater point about this book, which is that, again, it's only one issue in. Like, keep in mind that I do realize that um, there's plenty more to go. But, like, you know, first issue sure doesn't seem to be a lot about the trauma or PTSD. It, it, it really doesn't. Uh, it's, it's really all lip service whenever they talk about that. Yeah. If, if this first issue is to be believed and, and this is putting your foot forward, you know, okay, maybe, maybe that begins to reveal itself as the series goes on, but you're putting your first, your, you know, your best foot forward in your first issue. And, and this book is supposed to be in some way about how superheroes deal with trauma by just lumping the greatest trauma on them in a, in a, in a scenario and in a setting that we don't even really understand. Um, yeah. It just falls completely flat. It doesn't. It, it for one issue in, it's not offering what they're selling it as. Yeah. Zach, do you have a theory before I give the one I that was my initial gut reaction to the book? Um. Not not really anything that we haven't already kind of maybe touched on and discussed. The first thing I thought of with this was that. Um, the way it's going to end, if Booster is indeed the murderer, then the way it's going to end is Booster traveling back in time and killing himself before all this happens. Which seems like the most Tom King ending there could be. Well, and also, like, completely contrary to, I feel like, the ideas that were put forth in that Booster Gold arc. Mm-hmm. Like, Maybe not. I mean, I guess like in that art, Booster traveled back in time. Wait, how did that arc end? 
Now I'm forgetting. Bruce killed himself. Yes. Right? But there was, like, a time travel aspect of that, right? Like, there were two boosters? Yes, I believe so. Um, I also think, like, it, what a horrible message you're sending if the answer to mental health issues is to kill yourself. Yeah, that can't be it. Um, uh, hey, to me, the most Tom King thing that could happen is him realizing that he is the problem and having to take himself off the table. That seems like a very Tom King thing to do. I don't even think I I don't know. That seems too That seems that I I I really like that theory. It seems extremely hacky, but we're talking about Tom King here. Yep. So I I and he set it up in Batman that this is a thing that could be done, you know? Yep. Again, it's extremely hack. It would be so hack to use not only to use that convention again, but to use it to undo this and for DC to have made that the event of the time. Right. I, all of that it just sounds terrible to me, can, which is why it probably will happen. Can I also lay out something I thought of today? Yeah. That we have this to blame on the shoulders of just two people, and they're not Tom King. I really, truly believe that if Doomsday Clock shipped on time, this wouldn't be an event. Uh-huh. Because Doomsday Clock is going to, you know, set off the next X amount of years of DC Comics, supposedly. And this will wrap up around the same time Doomsday Clock is wrapping up. So this seems to me like DC realized, like, oh, shit, we need an event. And, uh, you know... <laughs> And just pulled something out. And Tom King's like, I got this terrible idea. Done. Print. Move on. <laughs> you know? I found it, by the way. I found, I found my video again. <laughs> you got it. Yo. I got it back. You did it. Uh, and Good again. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, and so, that's, and so that's why this exists. Yeah. It's especially bittersweet because... Um... I really do think think sanctuary is a good idea. Um, that's that's now spoiled. Oh, it's j- and just bungled the whole way through. Wait a minute. To just not is this comic set in twenty twelve? Could the O bungler be behind this? <laughs> well, let me be clear. I have nothing to do with heroes in crisis. That's that's the best Obama you're gonna get from me. <laughs> it's funny both my Obama and my Bernie Sanders begin look well look <laughs> no his is let me be clear yeah I know but in my mind when, I, when I'm doing it it's always look it's look yeah look oh uh, Barsecco Crombo <laughs> oh um, I love him I miss him I miss him so um... much uh, <laughs> but no you're right Vince like, I, I think sanction, I think it's, it's, it's an idea that can't be picked up now for like a decade yeah yeah, it's uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't like anything about this. I mean, the the art was nice. Well, I, I was but gonna again... say we have to give Clay Man some props here because the art is pretty good throughout this. Um, it's really good, but it play it just it just plays into that Tom King aesthetic. That like t- on a technical level, it's very good. But again, very it's nice. this, it, with very nice. 
but with the with the dialogue and with the way that it plays out it's this it's as clinical as the dialogue makes it and as the situation calls for and that doesn't dampen how good it looks but it, it gives me the same feeling i get the same feeling from this that i get from when uh Tony Daniel draws an arc of Tom King Batman or when Michael Janine did, I get that same feeling, that sterile feeling. Well, and and the art the art serves that too, even though it's really good art. Yeah. Let me actually just put something out there that kind of plays into this this is a simulation um theory here. Like even Harley saying that the pie smells like America when you think about the presentation here, like everything is the cliche. It's like amber fields of grain. It's a diner with pie and coffee. Like maybe that plays and the art, even like every character looks perfect. Every, you know, maybe this is the simulation because everything is played. So, so sort of classic. And uh, so yeah. cliched. Yeah, it's the it's the American Pie. Yeah, yeah. David Lynch. Uh, David Lynch, like normal America with seedy underbelly. The the whole switching from like the the pie pie and coffee at the diner to a bunch of crows ripping apart. Right. Yeah. Blue Jay is yeah. is completely. It's like um, it's like blue Vel- blue velvet yep. when it opens on this idyllic suburb and then it goes down into the dirt and the and the bugs and the grime. Yep. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing, which is if if this turns out to be a simulation, then that's a nice play. But again, like then it's almost I don't know. I don't know. I'm like I said at the beginning, this is not unsalvageable, but I hated this first issue. I, I agree and, completely. Zach, give us the last word on this. It's not great. <laughs> not great bob not great not great tom um also just yeah i mean like just as a first issue to a story it leaves much to be desired absolutely well uh thanks for listening to this special edition of the dc3 cast we'll be back on wednesday with more and uh take care